Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Mallory Miette is a speech-language pathologist and pediatric feeding specialist who offers a unique blend of direct therapy and parent coaching. She's also an alum of the Start Your Private Practice program. In this interview, we talk about how she created a private practice that serves her needs, the needs of her family, including her three small children, and the needs of parents that she offers parent coaching to. Mallory is a fantastic example of a private practitioner who thinks outside the box and has created an amazing niche for herself in the pediatric feeding space. If you've ever wanted to offer parent coaching, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right, so before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Mallory Miette. I am in um, right outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and um, my practice name is The Feeding Mom. I am so excited to talk to you today and really hear about your private practice journey, what you're up to, and you know, kind of how you've grown. Um, but before we talk about the now, can we go back to your early career? And tell us about how you got started in the profession. When I graduated, I went into the nursing home. I always wanted to work with the elderly. It was my jam. I loved them. So I went and did that right out of college and quickly sort of moved up in that company and was not so in love with the politics of the nursing home realm. And so I kept doing PRN, um, but there was an opportunity at an outpatient pediatric clinic. And, you know, actually my sister was like, you've got to get out, just go do something else and figure out what you want to do. Right. And I was She's like, like oh, I'm tired please. of hearing you complain. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Pediatrics. I just, I don't know if it's my thing. I just, but I did it because I had to get out. Right. And so I stayed PRN in the nursing home for 
a really long time. I am still PRN listed as an option for some, but I don't do it as much now. Um, and I went and worked at an outpatient pediatric clinic. My love in the nursing home was always swallowing. I loved working with um, patients who were end of life, PEG, um, and giving them some sort of quality of life, even if it was just, you know, ice chips, right? Because a lot of these patients, I mean, they get nothing. So I kind of took that love for swallowing and was like, oh, where's my feeding kids, you know? And that particular clinic didn't have that set up. They didn't do feeding. Um, and so I said, well, let's get this going. <laughs> And I found an OT who felt the same way. And we developed sort of a feeding clinic. That's where I started. Then I had my own babies. And that's where the feeding mom came in. Because I think that me having my background helped me see all the huge gaps that were there um, in terms of the, the support and education given to new caregivers and parents with infants. And so it started just kind of developed into its own little own little business. Love that. I love also how you started kind of, you know, toward more like end of life, right? Yes. And then like moved, moved back just to the very beginning. But how how you were able to kind of, you know, be in one setting and you know, you loved it, right? It was your jam. You loved yes. you loved older people until you kind of didn't. I'm sure you didn't. still loved the people, but oftentimes people don't love, you know, whether it's the system or the mm-hmm you know, director of rehab or, you know, whoever it is, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the limitations, all that kind of other stuff kind of gets to you. And it is very common listeners that, you know, a sister or a husband or your mom is like, listen, you got to do something else because clearly you're unhappy. You got to, you know, choose a new setting or whatever. Right. So then, then this pediatric opportunity came around and I loved how you said that you kind of started with that, with the feeding clinic. And then you, you and another OT, like kind of got that going. Like that yeah. was a really cool moment for you. Yeah. And I got a lot of pushback and I think that's important to say in this kind of interview too, because it was not like you go in and this company is like, yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> and so it was a long, the building of that feeding clinic took years and it was a continuous, like always pushing against the grain, right? Of, of something different and doing something different, having to prove yourself. And so it was all a big process. That's important to say, because sometimes, especially as a new grad, you know, you want to change the world and you, you get a lot of pushback. Yeah. But you persisted, right? You're like, listen, I know what I'm, I know that this is exactly I know this is exactly. something that I want to do and that I feel uniquely qualified to do and I want to bring it to your company, right? Mm-hmm. So it's at some point though, you started maybe thinking about private practice. So when did that yeah. start? When did that kind of enter your mind? And, and what did you do when you started having thoughts about it? Um, I guess I always did something else, right? I had I had my job and I always did something else. So it was PRN at a nursing home consistently for a really long time. And when I really got the feeding clinic going at the hospital, you know, word of mouth gets around and you start having people reach out to you and contact you for private services. And so I kind of always did something extra. Um, It wasn't ever anything established. I was way undercharging. It was just like, you know, I felt like it was my civil duty or something to like provide these services to the community. And because 
you know, as a person, I can't, I have trouble saying no. Right. And so I kind of always kept people in the background, but when I had my own kids and those gaps came into the picture, it was actually my friend who said, look, you're a feeding therapist and you are seeing the problems with typical developing children. Um, she said, you need to do something. You need to develop this and this. And, th-. and so she kind of pushed me. And I worked on the feeding mom without establishing it as a company for probably two years. And then finally, you know, through Instagram, that started kind of growing a little bit. And I, I felt like maybe I need to just put my big girl panties on and make it official. I love it. I love that progression, right? From again, like, yeah. you know, this is something I'm interested in. And then like another person in your life was like, Mallory, yes. like you should do this. And finally you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Right. And so it's interesting too, sometimes like social media also kind of helps spur you along mm-hmm. and start getting people to follow you, start getting people who are interested in your content. That can also be very validating that like, maybe you really have something to offer that like people want. Right. Yeah. I think that that was a big piece for me because you don't, I was like, who's going to want that? You know, it's, it would be a lot of time and energy. Nobody needs that. And they do. And I think that's a really big piece for any kind of specialty or not, or not even a non-specialty. If you just want to be a pediatric private therapist, right? There's always somebody who needs some support and, and will pay for your service always. I mean, I think that specializing in something really puts you in a specific little box where people can use you for a specific thing um, and really search search out you, right? Like that's what they're looking for. But that was a hard piece for me too when she was telling me, look, parents need you, parents need you. And I'm like, but do they? Do they really? That's where social media really helps too because you know you get messages and you're like, what? And I'm writing back and I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it it does help. It does help. Yeah. And this is a a funny aside, listeners. So um, I'm also from Louisiana. And one of Mallory's followers on her Instagram was actually like a friend of my sister. So my sister called me one day and she's like, my friend Cerise saw this person on Instagram who apparently knows you. (laughs) And it was so funny because Mallory had made a reel that like included me in it and a Hartley's friend Cerise saw it. It was like a really, really funny moment where, you know, which I, you know, I knew about you, but I, I somehow missed that you included me in a reel, which thank you very much. <laughs> but it was so funny because like my sister's friend was like, oh my God, that's Jenna. Like I know her. And it's a small world and everyone's connected somehow. And I think getting your name out there is really important, but you never know who's going to know who's going to know who, and they reach out to you. And so most of my clients that come to me are because of a past person. Oh, my friend, whoever told me about you. Right. And so social media has its benefits for sure. That's right. And I really liked what you said about how you can either be a generalist private practitioner and you know that there's always going to be a need for services, right? There's always Mm going to need be a need for, you know, a kid, you know, with, you know, or tick issues or language delays or whatever. But if you have a more specialty based practice, you really are going to attract people who are like, no, I know I have, or my child has this specific problem. I want to work with someone who knows, you know, 
everything about that thing versus somebody who's more of a generalist, right? And I, I think yeah. that's the category really that you fall into. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I still get people who um, will say, well, I know you're kind of a speech therapist. And I'm like, well, I am a speech therapist, <laughs> but can you help with this? And I'm like, I could help with that, but there's other people who are better than me at that. Another thing is building your referral base too, right? So like, I will refer to other specialists because then they will refer to me. And that's an important part of it as well. Yeah, completely. I, I a lot of times talk about how the goal for a lot of private practices is to become the one that people yeah. refer to, right? And you know, especially if you have a specialty-based practice, you're much more likely to become the one where if all of a sudden there's a kid with, you know, a feeding issue and, you know, the neighbor happens to be over and they're like, oh my gosh, your kid's having a problem. You need to go see Mallory. Like she's the one to see. Right. And then the mom is going to trust the other person. Right. And so that's, that's a big thing too. That's, you know, we talked a little bit about social media marketing, but like local marketing and relationship word of mouth marketing is really Mm -hmm. also how people who have more specialty practices really can kind of skip the line a little bit and get well-known yeah. quicker because they're the one who offers that service. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. So tell us how, so you went from, you know, you're working at this clinic, you've helped start their practice or their, the feeding, you know, team or whatever with the OT. And at what point did you really decide like, no, I'm going to do this like more officially than you had been doing before? It was, so I had a goal to reach, I think my goal was 20. If I could, if I saw 25 private clients and I think I gave myself six months that I felt because it was outside of my typical job, right? So I'm sort of time limited and I have three kids. So I'm like really time limited. So it's like, if I can do this, then it was almost like I had to prove to myself that what I was doing mattered. Like I put that goal and I hit it. And I was like, yeah, but maybe, maybe it was just a fluke six months. Maybe I'll give myself, if I can do 50 in this next six months. And then finally it was the end of 2020, which is interesting because then that following year, right? COVID hit and my virtual support just like took off. But it was at the end of 2020 where I was like, I really like I'm making enough that I need to like establish something and it's no longer, you know, like a random PayPal payment. So I guess I should make this an LLC. Um, And so I did. And it's, it has been progressively growing and growing ever since. I think making it official sort of pushes me too. like, I need to keep going. Hey, listeners, do you hear how this has come full circle, right? In the beginning, it was her sister who told her to do something else. Then it was your friend. And then it was you, right? Who was like, yeah. no, I need to push myself to really make this official, really turn this into a real business, get established, you know, and, and everything. So I love that progression of like, you know, two people telling you to do something else. Yeah. And finally, it was you who was like, you know what? I'm doing this and I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to do this well. Yeah. It's a process. It is a process, but it's one that people can do, right? And you know, oh, I, for sure. I talk about this a lot. A lot of times the reason why people don't start private practices is because they don't believe they can do it. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it is, you know, a husband or a best friend or a sister or a parent who's like, no, you can do this. But honestly, what I've found over the many years I've been doing this is a lot of times it's the clinician who's the one stopping themselves where mm-hmm. if they would just kind of listen to some of the other people about how great they are. Like yeah. they can do this the whole thing a lot sooner and better than they could ever imagine. For sure. And, you know, now I'm telling myself, so my son started school, he started kindergarten and, um, I wanted to get him in, we lived outside of a good school district. So I was like, let me get a job at the school system. So I got a job at the school system to allow him to go to that school. And that's where I am now still doing this, but with the schools, I have much more time than the outpatient. So it's allowed me it's allowed me to grow a little more. Right. And it's just about, I I have to like tell myself if I, let's say I quit my job and I do this full time in the back of my mind, I believe I could do well. Right. But then also if it's a total failure, there's always jobs that are going to hire me as a speech therapist, right? Like this is not, I'm not going to lose my job and never be able to get another job ever anywhere else. And so I think that's all that's helpful to know. It's not like you're losing all other future opportunities forever. hundred percent. And I also really loved how you highlighted that like, you know, private practice is what you make it, right? Like you have mm-hmm. made it for you about pediatric feeding, right? That's what you've made it. You've also made it so like that you can do it, you know, on the times that work for you and for the purpose that you want to serve, right? Like if you want your son to be able to go to this school and be in the district, totally fine, right? So you do that and you have your private practice. I think it's really important for our listeners to hear that there's a lot of ways to do it. And a lot of people start practices like, for flexibility and for like mm-hmm. to meet goals, to mm-hmm. meet personal goals, right? So I think that that's also just really important for people to understand is that it doesn't have to be one way. And that's the whole point of this podcast is yeah. to introduce people to lots of ways to have a private practice and to be in private practice. Yeah. You know, I'm pushing my friend to do it because she's she doesn't live anywhere near me, but I'm like, look, you think that they don't need you, but they do. So I've been pushing her. I convinced her to take your course and she did. She did. Um, and so she just had a baby. And I think, I think it's just always like, there's something in your life that tells you it's not time when really there, there will always be something that tells you it's not time, but just sometimes you just need to do it. And I think that you need to do it in order to have more time. Yeah. Right. Like, sure. I think that's especially like I hear this from parents all the time. Right. And that's what I tell people is like, you know, you can either have more time and more money now or later. Right. If the people who wait years or decades to start Mm -hmm. their private practice are putting off their ability to to have more time with their family while their kids are little. For sure. And I mean, my son, my oldest just started school. So I have a five, a three and a two-year-old and, and gosh, I just, even looking at how school is set up and it just takes so much away from them. And I don't know, it really having this have come so far 
like starting when I did is really allowing me to see what I want and be able to prioritize those things. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. So what are your plans, you know, for kind of the next six months to a year or more, you know, what do you want your private practice to look like in a way that again, serves you, serves your family, serves your community? Most of my work, I mean, geez, probably 98% of it is virtual. So people who don't live in Louisiana, it's coaching. So it's not really therapy. And most of it is typical developing children. And I work with infant feeding just in general, right? Um, And so my hope is that I don't work in the schools anymore um, within the next year, especially, and use that time. Like, I think that my virtual support will stay the same, but I want to use that time to really bring people here. Come see me and let's and really um, hone in on some of the more um, medically fragile, those therapy babies, you know, instead of just the coaching. Well, I love that. And parents are really looking for parent coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is oh, something yes. that, <laughs> yeah. So talk about yes. that. Cause that's something when people are like, you mean I can do parent coaching? Like I work in a school and I never get to talk to parents. I would love to do parent coaching. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, th- I guess that kind of surprised me too. Cause I was like, who's going to want to pay for that? They want to pay. <laughs> I mean, parents who are parents who are on social media, looking at your page want parent coaching, right? You're not at a high school basketball game. Like your, your presence is people are coming to you for a reason and they want to know, they want to be educated. They want to feel supported. And parents these days, the support that they get is so minimal. And if they can feel supported from you in whatever realm you choose, even language development, babies, how to play with them. I mean, there's so many things that you can get into. I mean, caregiver coaching for geriatric population. They would love that. You could take parent coaching any way you wanted. Definitely a need, right? Like, cause parents just don't, there's, there's almost too much information on the internet. First oh of my all, God, right? Yes. So, uh, cause I hear a lot of people, so well, bad. Who would want, right. Who would want to pay for that? There's lots online. Well, listen, mm-hmm. y'all, there's a lot to sift through and there's a lot of conflicting information. And mm-hmm. sometimes people just want to want someone to listen to them yes. and like, listen to what's going on. Right. You can't, when you go to Google to search for something, no one, Google's not asking you, you know, like, well, how you feel about that? Or how does that yeah. disrupt the day yes. or whatever? Right. Right. Like, people are craving this and they mm-hmm. are willing to pay also because they also want, again, someone to listen and uh, someone who has expertise, right. Yeah. And someone who can kind of tell them what to do, right? So that tell they're not me what to anymore. do. That's what parents say. Tell yeah. me what to do. And they, oh, yeah, I read that somewhere on Google, but Google doesn't tell them how to implement the things. And that's where your expertise comes in, right? Like Google can say, do this, this, and this, but how do you do that in my everyday life is where parents, I mean, they're overwhelmed. This world is overwhelming. And sometimes it's just, parent coaching will change their life. Totally. And it's obviously changed yours too, right? It's mm-hmm, changed for sure because this is something that you, 
you know, you have the the knowledge and the background to do. I think it's also, you know, you have your own children, right? So you kind mm-hmm. of have that that experience too. And and that, you know, whether or not you have children or not, but I think it does, you know, I think people like to hear when you give, give a story yeah. about your son or your daughter or whatever, right? But I, I think that this is something, again, that, you know, when you're creative and when you think outside the box, like private practice does not have to be just, you know, a vows and individual sessions, right? It can be coaching, oh, yeah. can no, be advocacy sure. work, it can be lots yes. of things. Build courses. So, I mean, I have parenting courses where they don't even come see me. They do the parenting course. If you get asked the same question over and over, make a course about it. <laughs> and then people will just buy that, listen to it, listen to your advice, implement the things that you're telling the same thing over and over again. And like, you know, just like you said on Instagram, you've got all these followers and stuff. I love your Instagram. Y'all, Mallory is really good at reels. People who are good at reels are like my favorite because I do not consider myself particularly good at them. I try really hard and I do have someone, shout out to Sarah Brashears, who's my social media manager, who like literally walks me through the process. But if you want to see some really good reels, Mallory, tell them again where to find you on Instagram. It's infant.feeding.specialist. Perfect. So go give Mallory a follow. And then um, do you have like a website or anything else to share about where people can find you? Yeah, I do have a website. It's thefeedingmom.com. I love it. Okay. Any parting words of advice or wisdom or, you know, you know, all most of the listeners listening, some of them already have practices. Other people are kind of in that stage where they're like thinking about it, but haven't really decided to do it yet. So what advice would you give to people who are, have been listening to this episode and are like, Oh my goodness, parent coaching. I didn't know you could do that. Mm -hmm. Right. I think what was hardest for me and probably I would assume most people is the money piece charge what you're worth. I look at surrounding lactation consultant charges in my area, because that is what I feel is sort of comparable and You know, sometimes I say to myself, you know, I don't want to charge too much, but sometimes if you charge too little, it makes you look less, I don't know, what's the word? Just less qualified or less desirable or something like that. Yes. Yes. I find some people will pay way more. I mean, I'm like, what? What What are you doing? Maybe I should up my prices (laughs) because, um, so watch your prices is the one from a business perspective, because you're probably undercharging and every year your prices should increase. It's probably the one thing from a business side that I would say. Totally. Right. Because every year, you know, your knowledge and expertise Mm -hmm. and skill have gone up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the things I hear people say, like a lot of times, especially SLPs and OTs get stuck in charging too little at first. Mm-hmm. And then they feel bad about increasing their prices. So it could be years and years yes. and years before they raise their price. And by then think of how much, you know, better you are as a clinician for sure. You know, all the, you know, CEUs, or you've done trainings, or you've just been working with people for mm-hmm. years and mm-hmm. know how to do it better. Right. So I compl- I'm in complete agreement with you that, you know, people need to raise their prices when they have more to offer, right? Yes. And chances yeah. are every year after year, you have more to offer. So I do think yeah. the, you know, the next year is a really good time to raise your price. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing, you know, your expedi- experience rather from, you know, working in the SNF to another private practice, to starting your own. 
having also your parent coaching side of your business and your courses. And so, you know, listeners go check out Mallory because she's really thinking outside of the box when it comes to private practice. And listen, I love to see it. I love it. So again, thank thank you you for being on the show and uh, listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Isn't Mallory the coolest? I love how she created a really unique space for herself by offering both pediatric feeding therapy and parent coaching. I hear so many SLPs and OTs say that one of the things that they really miss when they work in the schools is being able to collaborate with parents. So adding parent coaching is a huge draw. This is one of those outside of the box services that students in the Start Your Private Practice program are starting to offer. And yes, just like Mallory said, parents are willing to pay for parent coaching because the parents need help, right? They need someone to tell them what to do and they don't have time to sift through everything on the internet and try to figure things out on their own. And even when they find the information, they don't have backgrounds in our professions and often don't know how to apply the information. So parent coaching can be powerful for them and powerful for you as the provider. Private practice is kind of like those choose your own adventure books that you may have read as a child. There's no one way to do it. And that's actually the entire point of this podcast to show people different options for private practice so that you can create something that works for you, for the people that you want to serve and for this season of your life. Enrollment for the Start Your Private Practice program will be opening soon, and we would love to have you in the program. Yes, this is the same program that Mallory went through and that she refers her friends to who are interested in private practice. We only do a big public enrollment a few times a year, so start planning now if you want to join our next cohort. So just head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist to sign up for our waitlist and get notified as soon as we reopen. Until then, I hope to see you next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Have a great week. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. (laughs) And I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.